Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I was sitting in a restaurant in Birmingham, Alabama with two of my overseers. Overseers are my pastors that help oversee this church and all that we're doing. And I was sitting there, and it was right before we had launched this church, and uh, I, I had left here and gone back to Michigan, and I was talking to two of my overseers, and I, w- I was extremely discouraged. I, I, I was just going through some things that I couldn't quite put my hand on. By all outward illustrations or example, my life was great. My marriage is good. My kids love Jesus. I mean, life was great, but I just couldn't figure out that there was something in my heart that just wasn't quite clicking right. And one of my overseers, uh, Corey Hardesty, which you will, if you haven't met him yet, he'll be here uh, in June this year. And he looked across the table. They were both sitting on that side. And, and we had evaluated. We had had weeks of conversation. They had come visited the church. And they, had, they, they just kind of really involved in my life and took me through a series of all kind of questions. Uh, and finally, almost out of exasperation, Corey threw down his napkin and said, Man, Ken, it just it doesn't make sense. Your life is excelling in so many areas of your life. And then all of a sudden, it was like he had a God moment. God just dropped this idea, and he said, You know what I think, Ken? I think you're in the wrong place geographically. And then he added this sentence, and this is the sentence that got me. He said, I think you moved back to Michigan to play it safe. But safe is not where God designed you to be. Woo-wee. Has anybody ever dropped a truth bomb on you and and you just want to hit them? Come on. Can we be honest in church? Uh, My first response is not always, thank you, Jesus. Mine is like, I'm going to black your eye. You say that again. You know what I mean, right? Do I have anybody that can relate? Okay, thank you, AJ. Glad you're in the house. All right? And I was like, oh, no. And as soon as he said that, I knew that God was orchestrating our steps that we'd be moving back uh, here to the great state of Washington. And, um, and, and, and it was almost like when Corey said that, it was his voice, but it was almost like one of the greats had come out of Hebrews chapter number 11. And spoke directly to my heart. How many know there's times you can hear the word of God? And there's other times when you hear, it's good. But there's other times you hear it and you feel like, man, where has that verse been all my life? It becomes almost like a rhema word. It's tailor-made to us. And I felt like in that moment, one of the greats out of the Hebrews Hall of Fame that we've been referring to came out of the pages and began to speak to my life. Hebrews chapter number 11 is what I call the hall of fame of all the great men and women of faith. And then Hebrews chapter number 12 opens up because of everything that was said in Hebrews 11. And it opens up like this. And this is our theme verse. It says this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. And I had some things hindering me then. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Wow, I love that. Every one of us, Rochelle just said it a minute ago, every one of us, God has mapped out a race for us. He has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for every single person in this room. And then he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter 
of our faith. And the week number one, we showed a video of the 1992 Olympics where Derek Redmond was making a run and, and, and his hamstring went out and his father came out of the stands, picked him up, and together they limped across the finish line. When I seen that, I started thinking, what would it look like if the greats could come out of the scripture and just run a mile with us? You know, the, the day that we don't feel inspired to run. Anybody ever felt like that? The day we're too tired. The day we're discouraged. The day we're in pain. Come on, I'll, I'll get your number eventually, all right? You know, just the days that we don't feel like getting up and reading our Bible. And we don't feel like being a good spouse. And, and we don't feel like praying for our kids because they're on our last nerve. Now, am I talking to anybody? Yeah. Listen to all the young parents say, Amen. And I thought, what could it look like if they just came out like Hebrews 12 talks about and runs a mile with us? So in week number one, Noah comes out of the stands and Noah reminds us one man, oh, we lost an M, one man can make a difference. Week number two, we had Abraham come out and say, hey, don't get discouraged in the delays. As a matter of fact, a, a, a fact that a delay is not necessarily denial. Mm -hmm. You need to just expect the delays because if you don't, when you get in a delay, you might give up going towards the goal or the prize that God has set before you. Week number three, we had a powerful woman come out of the stands and she reminds us to live life generously. Wow, I love that because a generous man will prosper. Those that, those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Last week during water baptism where 23 people got water baptized. Come on, everybody. Uh, we had two signed up and 23 got baptized. I like that, right? We always have spontaneous. And by the way, somebody didn't obey God. You were supposed to get baptized because we've only had 59 people baptized this year. Come on, we need 60. How many know that, right? Come on up here right now, and I'll pour this water. Okay, anyway, all right. Well, there will be another opportunity. And so last week, we were talking about Rahab, and she said, let God write your story. And every one of us know what it's like to maybe have written some wrong things or to, wrote a chap to have written a chapter that, oh, I wish I could ignore that chapter. I, I wish nobody would look at that chapter. But when we turn the pen over to God, he writes his plans and purposes on our heart. I could not even finish this series, and, and there's many that I'm going to skip over, but I just couldn't do this series any more justice without pulling out one of the greats. You know him, even if you don't know the Bible, you've at least watched him, Charlton Heston, play him. All right, everyone? And today, we got Moses. And Moses is going to remind us something very powerful. I'm telling you, today's message is only for the strong, all right? Because here's what he says. He says, abandon safe. And embrace faith. Woo! Uh, should I pray again in case you need to slip out real quietly? Because Moses says, abandon safe. And I'm not so sure that too many of us in this Christian walk, we play it way too safe. Think about Moses for a minute. Moses, he had it made. He, 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 he was Pharaoh's grandson. And, and as Moses gets a little bit older, I mean, he had it made early in life. But as he gets older, he begins to wrestle with, am I playing life safe or do I need to abandon safe and live by faith? Do I need to give up some comforts? Let me just ask a question. You don't have to answer it. You can wink at me, nod at me if you want to. But have you ever felt like life is good, but I feel a stirring like there's still something missing? 
I feel a stirring, like I still haven't really had my best day. I feel like I'm still missing something. I've had success, but I'm not positive that I've had significance. You, you see, Moses tries to take things into his own hands, and, and I, I relate to Moses because oftentimes I've tried to take things into my own hands. He knows, he feels God is doing something in his life, and he tries to take things into his own hands, and he goes and he kills an Egyptian. How many, even if you don't know the Bible, might think, nah, that was a bad move. Anybody right? <laughs> so he flees the desert. In other words, he runs from his call, and you would think that would be the end of his story. But when God puts something on your heart, he just has this interesting way to keep bringing it back again and again and again. Because 40 years later, God challenges Moses to abandon his safety net and embrace faith. Let's go to a story and look at a little bit of it. Exodus chapter number 3. Here's what it says. And if you'll notice, I just have some selected verses for time. You can read that chapter on your own. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law the priest of Midian, and he led the flocks to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now, if this doesn't already have your attention, right? Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. It didn't burn up. Let me say it another way so maybe it'll capture our attention. The fire didn't go out. I'm just wondering if God wants to speak to anybody today that life looks fine, but secretly there's this fire that it hasn't gone out. There's a dream. There's a vision. There's a calling. There's something that you know that if you died today, you would have missed your purpose. I'm wondering if anybody else has a burning bush. Because I believe there are people in this room and watching online today that the bush is still burning in your life. Let me say it another way. I don't think I'm the only one with unfinished business. You see, I came back to Mount Vernon because God had put on my heart that I had unfinished business here. I don't think I'm the only person in this room today with unfinished business. And perhaps God has allowed you to be here for such a time as this to remind you that the fire is still burning. Come on, everybody, right? Now, the Lord, let's pick the story up. The Lord said... Uh, oh, yeah, let me go to verse number three first. Uh, he said, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Come on, I would have been too, right? I mean, what is going on here? Why isn't this bush burning? And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave driver. I just wonder if there's any people in Mount Vernon that are crying out. I wonder if there's any people on your job crying out. I wonder if there's any people in our family Christmas dinners that are crying out. I wonder if there's any homeless people in our town that are crying out. Uh, I wonder if there's any that are far from Jesus and you wouldn't recognize their cry, but all of their antics is really just a cry out. They're crying out because they're desperately trying to get out of the life they're in. They just don't know who or where to turn. Mm. I just want, it's just my own thing. I, I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And, and I'm concerned about their suffering. God is concerned about the hurting everybody. And then he goes on and he says, So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. 
and to bring them up out of the land and into the good and spacious land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land, right, Canaan. So in verse number 10, it says, so now go, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites. Can, can just, for, just for about 30 minutes, would you personalize that statement, so now go, so now, so now follow the burning in your heart. So now pursue it. Ha, ha, have you ever tried something and it didn't work out? Anybody tried me? You, you just, three people. Come on, everybody, right? I mean, have you ever tried something and crashed and burned? Yeah. You, you know, those of you that did it pre-social media, that's wonderful. Yeah. But we live in a day of social media and everybody wants to get on the thread about your crash and burn. How many know what I'm talking about, right? See, Moses had already tried to help and he failed miserably. He killed a guy. And he ran out of town. How many would have done the same thing? Of course you would have. You're in church. Tell the truth. And now God wants him to go back to the scene of the crime. Listen, I left here in 2011. And then God had his, the audacity to say, I want you to go back to the scene of the crime. I want you to go back where you killed that guy. No, I didn't kill anybody. I'm just, I want you to go back. Uh, and and I, I stood just like Moses before the burning bush said, God, I've already been there, done that. Bought the T-shirt, Lord. <laughs> really would rather go somewhere else. Uh, in fact, anywhere else. Because I don't want to go back after I just three and a half years ago told everybody, well, I just feel God's moving me on. And then come back three and a half years later and go, oops, God was wrong. <laughs> come on, that's, come on, everybody. That takes a little humiliation. Yeah. It takes some faith. It takes some abandoning safe, everybody. You see, I wanted to play it safe. I tried to go somewhere else. I even kind of obeyed God. I loaded up my, my, my trailer, drove all the way back here, camped out here in a friend's RV while I was interviewing in churches around the nation. How silly is that? But at least then I can say, well, I tried, God. Don't act like you've never done that. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I knew I had unfinished business, and, and it was a big risk to come back. And it took some humility for Moses to go back. It, it took a lot of faith for Moses to go back. Moses didn't want to go back because safe will always keep you from moving forward. And if you're stuck in a place and feel like, man, I should be further along, I want to challenge your safety net. I want to challenge where are you not living in faith and trusting God. Matter of fact, I, I like this statement so much I wanted to make sure that you've seen it. Here it is. You can't, oh, sorry, safe. Where'd that come from? Safe will make you, a, well, let's go to that one. You can't, <laughs> you can't steal second with your foot on first. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Huh? There's a whole lot of people like this. Use me, God. <laughs> Use me, God. Use me, but I'm not going to give up my overtime. Use me, God, but I'm not going to give up my... And you got your foot on first, and God wants to grand slam with your life. Does that make sense, anyone? Here's the verse that God used when he called me back to Mount Vernon in Isaiah chapter number 43. Here's what it says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Ooh. I don't know if anybody else has struggled with that, but I've messed up in the past. And some of you are wondering, uh oh, what was the mess up? The mess up was that I left premature. 
Some of you want to know the tabloid. The tabloid wasn't I was hooked on drugs. The tabloid was I didn't cheat on my wife. None of that was the truth. I just took myself out of the game before God was ready for the game to be over. Mm -hmm. And now you can listen because none of you have ever done that. So let's just pick on me today, all right? (laughs) He says, forget the former things. See, I am doing a new thing. Anybody in this room would like God to do a new thing? Anybody at all? Anybody would like to have a new kind of ministry, a new kind of church, a new kind of outreach, a new kind of vision, a new kind of goal, a new kind? Come on, anybody at all? I want God to do something we've never seen happen in this valley before. Come on now. I'm doing a new thing. But then here's one of the keys. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see the burning bush? Are you not recognizing that the fire has not gone out? And it's why when you show up to church, you feel the fire. When you start worshiping, you feel the fire. When you start praying, you feel the fire. So oftentimes, we will bury ourselves in other things so we don't feel the fire. Mm. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Some have tried to do something. You've tried to reach a dream, and it didn't go like you wanted it to. And and so what happens when things don't go the way we want them to, at least with me, we start playing things safe. Has anybody here just gotten conservative after a crash and burn? We just start playing safe. Because we left our foot off first base, and we got thrown out. But that's not the only time you get to bat, everybody. And, and what will happen is, is, is we'll start playing safe. And so we don't give money, and we don't give time, and we don't make friends, and we don't get involved, and we don't, we just start playing. And matter of fact, sometimes, none of you, none of you in this room at all, but you know somebody. Sometimes we start acting like Moses. I did. Exodus 4, verse 13. Here's what he says. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Isn't that a good line? That's a good. Moses, thank you for leading the way and giving us all the line we could use. Someone else. It's so great. We have so many someone else's or we'd never get anything done. Someone else will help. Someone else will minister. Someone else will love. Someone else will reach the hurting. Someone else will be in a life group. Someone else will finance the kingdom. Here's my question for us today. Who will if we don't? If we didn't have teams going out on Saturdays feeding the homeless, then here's the question. Who will if we don't? Here's a bigger question, okay? I I hope you've learned my heart enough by now. But here's a serious question. We don't talk about money. We don't raise funds in here. We don't even take offerings in here. But here's the question. Who will fund the work of God if the people of God don't? Just a question. I I keep seeing a bush, everybody, that won't burn out. You want me to give you a clue what I think some of the unfinished business is? I think God brought me back to Skagit Valley to get an army of people of God, not to do another church service on Sunday. There's plenty of church services going on. And, but I just wonder if the unfinished business 
is instead of driving by and being mad that there's so many homeless and so much uh, mental challenges and so much problems out there, get in your car at 10 o'clock at night and drive around this city. And our little tulip town is not quite as innocent as you might think that it is. There's some stuff going on in here. In other words, <laughs> they need the light of Jesus Christ in this town. And, and what would it look like if instead of just having church on Sundays, what if church was happening 24 hours a day every single day of the week? What if, what if we would go down here and buy one of these abandoned hotels? And instead of just providing a place for the homeless to come sleep overnight, what if we put them in a one-year discipleship program? What if we began to teach them? Come on, everybody. But it's going to take more than one person abandoning safe. Uh, what would it look like? Uh, oh, there's so many stories I wish I could tell you, but I, I don't have permission. But what would it look like if they came and spent one year, and in that one year, we got them their GEDs, and, and we got them professional counseling, and we discipled their lives, and, and we taught them a, a, a career, or we taught them a job? What if for one year, they signed a covenant with us, we'll get you off the streets, we'll feed you, but we're going to disciple you. We're going to pour into you spiritually. We're going to pour into you physically. We're going to pour into to you emotionally. We're going to pour into your life. You see, that's when we begin to make a difference, everybody. But it's going to take more than one guy preaching on Sunday. It's going to take a whole army of people that say, I'll abandon safe and begin to live by faith. Amen, everyone? I have this fire that has been burning and wondering, wow, what is God doing? Before we even get to a dream center, come on, look around. We need a bigger building, everybody. So if you don't finance it, who is? I have yet to have strangers walk off the street and say, here you go, can do it. <laughs> and I don't think that's the way God operates. Because God's trying to get your foot off first base also. <sighs> okay, all right. <laughs> we had 110 kids, parents, in this room right in back of me two Sundays ago. 110 kids. All of those adults that were in there that day, they've left the church. They're gone. <laughs> I said, see you later. And it's your kid's fault, and you taught them, all right? We need a bigger... The children's facility that we have a vision for would take over the entire place that we already have. Yeah. Come on, everybody. Why not? Why does the world have to have their hands in our kids more than Jesus does, more than the church does? Come on, everybody. If you've looked around lately, guess what? We need a youth center also. Wouldn't it be great? We just did, or they just did the grand opening to our, our, our youth center right over here. It's not really ours, but we're kind of partnering with it. They just opened it. It's for troubled kids to come in and get tutoring and, and get some things that they can't get at home. But how about, what if we had a whole youth mall where they could come after school, play basketball, get mentored by a pastor, get tutored by a teacher, get poured into and loved on? Come on, the sky's the limit. Our God is a big God, everybody. We got to abandon safe, right? Come on now. Oh, we, there's so much more that we can do. How about our outreach center? Come on, could you just imagine? What if we started feeding not just a few on Saturday, but what is it going to look like when we got to feed a whole dream center every single day of the week? 
See, I think we're supposed to have an impact in our community, not just a pretty sermon on Sunday. Nobody's ever called my sermons pretty, but I just thought I'd add that in there. Hey, does anybody feel it? There's a fire burning. And, and, and safe misses the opportunity. Safe keeps us from making a difference. Safe plays it easy. And I, I, I think, and I'm not saying this about you because most of you jumped in here and said, I'll help you start this church. So I'm not picking on anybody. But if I was talking nationally, I think we have too many national Christians that are satisfied Christians. It's just good. Life is good. God is good. You see, but Moses could have stayed living in Pharaoh's house. Come on, how many know he had some great benefits there? And even after that, Moses could have stayed living in Jethro's house. He had a good job. He had a good wife. He had no problems. And sheep don't talk back. Come on now, right? <laughs> it was stress rate. But you know what I've come to learn in life? Tell me, those of you that might agree with this, that the stress-free life is often not really worth living. Everybody's off after this stress-free life. Well, about five years ago before we launched the church, I had a stress-free life. Me and my wife, we had a little 600-square-foot apartment. Life was good. I didn't, have, I, I, just, I didn't have anybody talking about me on social media. I didn't have anybody mad at me because I said something wrong. Uh, it, it was just stress-free. But you know what? Stress-free was boring. Stress-free, I wasn't accomplishing anything. I was not only with my foot on first, I was hugging first base. <laughs> Come on now. Now, I got all kind of stress. We gotta find a building. How are we gonna pay for it? Gotta raise some money. How are we gonna do that? Gotta find some room to resurrect these adults that were back there in the children's ministry. <laughs> gotta provide something for the teenagers. We gotta, man, it's stress. Let me point out some more stress. Here's a stress, here's a stress. No, I'm just kidding, you guys. But see, listen, it's easy to play it safe. And yeah, it'll be a little stressful trying to balance your jobs with volunteering at the church. It'll be a little stressful trying to step out in faith and do something financially. It'll be stressful, but it's the stressful life. It's the pressure. That's the blessing, everybody. Here comes Moses just about the time you're laying on the ground wondering if I should play it safe. And he comes out to cheer us on. And as you lie there contemplating if you should abandon safe and embrace faith, I think here's a few things he'd say in our last minutes together. Number one, I think he would say, throw away your excuses and use what you got. Wow. Mm -hmm. You see, there's somebody here waiting for some big, powerful lightning in the sky to light up your world before you do anything. But I was looking out my window this morning and seeing my friend Derek out there with just a little paper picker upper and picking up trash in the parking lot so that when you showed up here, you didn't have to walk through somebody else's party and garbage from Friday night. Uh, come on, you got to use what you got. Throw away your excuses. The only thing that stands between you and greatness is your excuse. Well, once I get that, and once I move past, once my kids are out of the terrible twos, well, guess what? Three's coming, and it's no cakewalk either. Come on, everybody. <laughs> Exodus chapter number four. Exodus chapter number 4, here's what it says. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent. R really? That's the first time that's come up. Never heard that one before. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. One translation said I, 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 I st 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 stutter is what he says. 
but take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Moses, here's, here's what's going on here. Moses doubted his ability. Not only did he doubt his ability, watch this, because of the staff in there. The staff represents his occupation. He's a shepherd. So really what's happening here without me going all into it, he's not only doubting his abilities. Watch this. He's also doubting his resources. I don't have enough. I'm just a shepherd. I'm just an airplane builder. I'm just a fisherman. I'm just a contractor. I'm just a babysitter. I'm just a housewife. I'm just a, come on somebody, right? You say, you see, he, he used them. He used his uh, resources and he used his, what he thought was lack of abilities as an excuse. Safe will always cause you to look at what you don't have. Faith will take your staff and your stutter and say, come on, let's go on with it. It'll take your staff and your stutter. Yeah, I'm trying to make a point because we get hung up on our stutter. We get hung up on our inabilities. We get hung up on the thing, and it gets stuck, and it just doesn't come out. And God says, no, abandon safe, Woo, and live by faith. Oh, I feel like preaching that one right there. Come on. Yeah. I, I want you to see Moses. He, he spent all these years leading sheep through the wilderness. You know what he's doing? He doesn't know what he's doing. He's practicing. He, he, he's practicing in the small things. Because God's going to say, now you know every blade, you know every tree, you know every bush. Now turn around and leave the sheep behind and grab my sheep, grab the people. And because you are faithful leading sheep, now let's lead some people because you know all about it. What has God brought you through that you ought to now be leveraging for the glory of God? Come on now. Right? What, what is the thing you're doing right now? i got to move on. God, here's all I want to say on that to finish that one up. God blesses movement, everybody. Movement. Number two, I think Moses would say this. God hasn't brought you this far to stop now. Right. Think about what Moses has been through for just a minute. Hey, Hebrews 11.23 says, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. He started off in tragedy. Then they made a wicker basket, stuck the baby in the basket, sent him down the Nile. you think your parents were lunatics. <laughs> There's alligators, there's mosquitoes, there's all kind of stuff in the Nile. But God rescued him from that. Moses would say this to us, I have come through so much. God has worked too many miracles in my life for me to stop now. You know what I think he would say? I think Moses might say, my life started out in the water, now watch me work miracles as I walk through the water. <sighs> Oh, uh, you missed that. You see, some of you have been going through some things that now God wants to flip that around. Watch a little baby Moses floating down the Nile and then now become a man and say, oh, water, I'm used to that. Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. I've already been there with God. I've already trusted God. I already know God can rescue me. He hasn't brought me this far to stop now. Boom, watch the Red Sea open up. Come on now. That's what happens. <laughs> Now, think about it practically for me and you. God wouldn't let Jesus die on the cross, his Holy Spirit come, deliver us. Anybody been delivered from anything? Healed? Anybody been healed from anything? Redeemed? 
to stop now. He didn't go through all that to say, okay, see you in heaven. Right? No. The, here's what I know in my life. When I was sitting at that table in Birmingham, Alabama, the devil should have taken me out. And if he could have, he would have taken me out while I was down and discouraged. He should have never, ever let me get up out of safe and start living by faith. I want that to be your testimony. Come on now, right? Number three, Moses said, number three. How's everybody doing? You guys all right? All right. Number three, don't let a failure or a stumble define you. He had some. I mean, that's a pretty big one, you know. Some of us, we had some failures, but there might only be a couple murderers in the room, but Moses <laughs> murdered. He killed somebody, and yet he steps up and says, hey, just want to remind everybody, those of you that are st still sitting on the sidelines waiting, just want to remind you, failure isn't final. Oh, wait, let me add a little caveat to that. Failure isn't final unless you surrender to your failure. Mm -hmm. He might say something like this. I don't know. He might have heard this somewhere. He might say, where you're at is not where you have to stay, right? I, you see, I thought my best days were behind me. But suddenly I seen a fire. And the fire just wouldn't go out. And uh, I want you to know where you're at is not where you have to stay. I, I, want, I want to say this to somebody. Um, I, I want to say this. I, you're not what the divorce has tried to call you. You're not what the bankruptcy has tried to call you. You're not what that failure, that affair, that cheating, that you're not that. You had a bump in the road. Moses, you had a bump in the road. And if you let the bump in the road keep you sitting on the side of the road, you will ne you'll be like the blind man that's sitting on the side of the road while the rest of life is going by. Come on, everybody. No, no, no. Come, God will leverage that failure. You, you had a problem in your marriage? Then turn around and lead a marriage life group and tell others to watch out for these issues. You had a bankruptcy? Then lead a financial life group and say, hey, here's what I did wrong. Come on now. In other words, what the devil has tried to use to destroy you, turn around and leverage that to help another generation coming behind you. Amen, everybody? Because even Jesus was called by some, oh, he's only the carpenter's son. But he refused to be defined by small thinkers. I, I feel like I need to say this. Just because dad was an alcoholic, doesn't mean you have to be an alcoholic. Just because dad was a loser doesn't mean you need to be a loser. Just because mom was addicted to prescription drugs doesn't mean you have to be. I am not what the world is trying to find me. And by the way, don't you dare let the outside circumstances fool you.